You're listening to the Trace Church Rock Rimmon podcast. All right. Hey, um, I'm not sure if you've been tuned into the news for the last couple of days, but if you have been, you've been hearing about from the from the National Wildlife, you know, the park and wreck guys up in Yellowstone National Park that there's been a record amount of grizzly attacks. Anybody else heard about this? Anybody else heard about this? So I want to read to you an excerpt from the National Park Service and what they said about these grizzly attacks. Here's what they said. They said, the National Park Service has warned against sacrificing another person to an irate bear. Hang with me. Even if you feel like the friendship has run its course. Like, this is what they said. So again, the takeaway for us would be, make sure you don't go to Yellowstone National Park with a friend unless you know there's still time to be developed. You know, the friendship can still be developed because if not, you might be sacrificed. I thought that was hilarious. I'm sure you'll be seeing more about that in the news because there's a lot of news stations catching on to that right now. Well, hey, it's so good to be back. It really is. Um, Man, I'm I'm always thankful to get away and to be refreshed and refocused. And for what it's worth, can I just say thank you for giving me that opportunity Uh, I love being a part of a church that um, values that and that allows me to get away and to be refreshed and refocused, but also to have intentional time with my family. I'm thankful for our management team uh, that allows me to do that each and every summer. And so thanks for your flexibility and me being away. But you really didn't have to be that flexible. Can we give it up for for Josiah filling in for me while I was gone? I thought he did an incredible job. Obviously, that young man's been given a lot of talents and gifts, and I can't wait to see how God continues to develop those. And if you're new to Trace, uh, you should probably know this about me, and you should probably know this about our church. It's not that important for me to be up here all the time. Um, I'm committed to developing future communicators, future church leaders, and church planters. And we're coming up next month on being four years old, but we've already had two people come out of our church uh, that are now lead pastors of other churches in our community, and we celebrate that. And so uh, that's just kind of who we are and what we're about. But I am excited to celebrate four years old coming up uh, here in about a month and on September in September. Uh, really quick, how many of you guys have been with us from the very beginning? Just curious, since the beginning. Awesome, awesome. So we're excited to be celebrating our four-year birthday, and hopefully you can be here and be a part of that with us. Well, hey, today we're continuing in this series called Leadership and Lordship. And last week, yes, I know if you were here, you got to see me on video. I had to go back for a bit of a family emergency back in Kentucky. Um, but what we talked about was incredibly important. We talked about the importance of self-leadership. And I said how if you're not leading yourself first, you'll never be a leader worth following. And so I gave you the ABCDs of self-leadership and talked about, especially now, like this is not a season where we can sit back and cross our arms and just say, hey, let's just kind of see how everything goes. No, we need an intentional process that there are people depending on us and depending on us to be developed and sharpened as leader because they need our guidance. And so again, self-leadership, you'll never be a leader worth following if you don't lead yourself first. Now today we're going to transition a little bit. And instead of talking about leadership, what I want to talk to you about is lordship. And more specifically, I want to talk to you about the lordship of Jesus in our lives. And here's how I want to begin. Over the course of my life, I've taken on a lot of different uh, titles and positions. Uh, For instance, when I was in high school, I was the captain of my football team. And as the captain of my football team, I I set the pace for what it looked like to be a team player and what it looked like to work hard and character and integrity and things like that. Uh, A few years after that, I became a personal trainer. And with that title, I came with it the responsibility of helping my clients to understand the human body a little bit better. 
uh, anatomy and physiology and understanding different types of workouts and specifically workouts that would be custom to their body type. And I talked to them about nutrition and putting good nutritional habits in place on a day-to-day basis. A few years after that, I became a school teacher. And for three years specifically, I taught seniors at a Christian school and I taught them about the importance of making their faith their own because as seniors, they're about to step into a new phase of life. And whether they're going into college or military or something else, I talked to them about the importance of taking ownership of their faith because they can't walk into this life with an adopted faith. In other words, you can't just be a Christian because mommy and daddy told you it was a good idea. You have to own it. You got to make it your own. Years after that, I became a husband. And by becoming a husband, I assumed the responsibilities of sacrifice and trying to live selflessly and honoring my wife and protecting my wife and trying to put her needs in front of my own. And because I screwed up at that all the time, I had to learn how to ask for forgiveness. A few years after that, I became a father. And as a father, I learned the need and the responsibility of protecting my kids and guiding my kids and developing them in life and in faith and teaching them how to fish, right? All the necessities. You see, all of us have titles throughout our life. We assume titles in different positions that we take. And you know this. It's easy to actually assume a title, to take on a title without following through with the responsibilities, right? As a dad, I would say that almost anybody can become a father. I'm not going to have a birds and the bees talk really quick, but anybody can become a dad if they want to be. But to be an intentional father takes work. Anybody can become a husband pretty much, but it takes a lot of work to learn to set aside your needs and put the needs of your spouse in front of your own and to learn what it looks like to live selflessly and to sacrifice and to learn what it looks like to serve one another. Anybody can date, right? For you single people, anybody can have a date and anybody can go out on a date, but it takes work and there's responsibility that comes along with dating within the parameters that God has set for us, right? Different guardrails that he's given you with your integrity and character and purity. It takes work. There's responsibility there. Anybody can assume a title, but it takes work to follow through with the responsibilities. When it comes to our faith, it's possible that many people have settled for the title instead of following through with the responsibilities. I mean, let's be honest. Anybody can become a Christian, right? If you grew up in a, a church like mine, you knew that you know that at some point, probably along the way, you were asked if you wanted to accept Jesus as your Savior. And if you said yes, then maybe you were part of a church where you were baptized and you said a prayer, a sinner's prayer, and then after that you assumed the title of Christian. Anybody, it's easy. <laughs> it's easy to become a Christian. But I'm not sure that this is what Jesus had in mind. I'm not sure that hiding behind a title is what Jesus had in mind when he looked at his earliest disciples and he had just one request of them. Follow me. You see, in that very directive, we're actually given a verb. We're given an action statement. It's not a noun that we can hide behind. No, it's, an, it's in a directive. It's an actionable item where we're going to follow Jesus. And so often in our faith, if we're not careful, we settle for the noun instead of the verb. We settle for the title, and it's easy to hide behind this title without assuming the responsibilities. Believe it or not, the earliest Christians didn't even call themselves Christians. Maybe 
There was good reason for that. Maybe they didn't want a title necessarily or a noun to describe what they did. Maybe they wanted to describe what they did instead of what they were. And so they didn't even call themselves Christians. You know who did, who did call them Christians? Non-Christians did. Uh, I've taught on this before in the past, but in your New Testaments, we only see the word Christian three different times, and it was never the Christians associating themselves that way. It was non-Christians associating them that way. We see this in Acts chapter 11. It says the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. And again, they would have been titled as Christians as one associated with Christ. That's the directive they would have been given, or that's the association, I'm sorry, that they would have been given, that they were associated with Jesus, those who are associated with Christ, those Christians. And a lot of scholars believe that oftentimes this would have been used, or most of the time this would have been used, it probably would have been used in a derogatory way. Those Christians, those people that are all about Jesus. And that was a name given to them. But when they referred to themselves, when Jesus referred to them, he gave them a different name. He gave them the name disciples. You can't hide behind the word disciple. You see, disciple is a pupil, a student, someone who's following their teacher in hopes to reflect the life that they are observing. Jesus defines this for us really well in Luke chapter 9 when he says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. It's easy. It's easy to call yourself a Christian. But if you want to follow Jesus, the only directive that he gave us, if you want to follow Jesus, it's going to cost you something. One of the things that I've learned uh, in my stint of following Christ is that oftentimes the direction that Jesus wants me to go is not the direction that the majority of people around me are going. And even though it's not the path of least resistance, it's always led me to a better path. It's always led me to a better life. Not easier necessarily, but better. Hold that thought. I remember the first time that I actually realized that I was going to have to sacrifice some things after having a child. Uh, Emily and I have four kids now, but when we had our first kid, Lily, um, we decided when she, I think she was around nine to 12 months old. I'm not good at numbers and remembering ages really well, but I think she was around nine to 12 months old. And we decided that we were going to go on our first vacation with a child. And so we decided to go to San Diego and listen to me. It was Horrible. It was horrible. We didn't get to do anything that we wanted to do. It was, I mean, we're in San Diego, California, and we are miserable. And it's like, okay, well, at least maybe, like, let's go to SeaWorld. Everybody has fun on SeaWorld. It's almost like a jet ski, right? Have you ever seen somebody frown on a jet ski? It's like, uh, <laughs> you can't. You can't frown on a jet ski. It's kind of like what SeaWorld is supposed to be. And we get there, and it was horrible. It was miserable. I think, if I remember correctly, I think Lily had one of those, like, blow-up diapers where the poop goes all the way up the back of her back, up to the top of her neck. It's like, how is that even physically possible? It's like her butt just exploded. It was miserable. And for the first time in our lives, we finally saw it's like, hey, having a child is going to change some things. There's going to be some sacrifices that we're going to have to make because we're not going to get to do what we want to do. I think all of us 
I think all of us have a natural disposition to lean and to live our lives towards our preferences. I just think it's our natural disposition that we oftentimes will kind of lean towards and live our lives in the direction of what we prefer. And as we live in that direction, oftentimes our thoughts and our opinions are shaped by those experiences that come back to being rooted in our preferences. But where so many of us, I believe, where so many of us go wrong is that we start to associate way too much credibility. Listen to me, I'll say it again. We start to associate way too much credibility in our thoughts and in our opinions that often just came out of experiences from what we preferred. If you've been coming to Trace for any amount of time, you've heard me use this before. Don't bit it, right? We have, we have this tendency at times to bit. And bit simply means, but I think. And this is not just for non-Christians. This is for Christians. And I see this happen all the time. I'm sure I've done it myself before as well. And what happens is we will hear somebody talk about the truths of the Bible or something about what God wants, his purposes for your life, or a foundation that Jesus wants to create for you, or the guardrails that he wants to create in your relationships if you're dating, whatever it may be. And we hear those things, and they're rooted in biblical truth. And on the other end of hearing those things, we respond with, yeah, but I think... Like, where did we, along the way, give ourselves so much credibility that we can hear truths rooted in biblical truth and then respond with, yeah, 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 but I think. Jesus said, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. He said that in Matthew 28. So who are we? Who are we to think that our preferences and our opinions should ever, should ever trump the authority of of the Son of the living God. Oh, how great are God's riches in wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand His decisions and His ways. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to give Him advice? And who has given Him so much that He needs to pay it back? For everything comes from Him, exists by His power, and is intended for His Glory, all glory for all glory to him forever. Amen. So what causes us? What causes us to put so much stock and credibility in what we think? Maybe. Maybe it's because we've taken the title without assuming the responsibilities. Yeah, we might know Jesus as Savior, but can I ask you a question? Have you fully submitted to him as Lord? Jesus made it really clear that acknowledging him as Lord but not doing what he says is kind of like an oxymoron. That's why he says in Luke 6, 46, he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord? But you're not doing what I say. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Why would you assume the title but not follow through with the responsibilities? Hold that thought. Um, some of you that probably like to explore outdoors, know the difference in something called true north versus magnetic north. True north, if you, again, spending time outdoors, know that it's a geographical direction that's represented on maps by, by, and on different globes, if you get out a globe, and it's represented by lines of longitude. It's always in the same place. But if you were to get out a compass right now, including the one on your phone, or if you had a compass, 
It won't take you to true north, which is represented on maps, again, by lines of longitude. It'll actually take you to somewhere called magnetic north. And magnetic north is in the, in the Arctic regions of Canada somewhere. And depending on where you're at on Earth, you will be you know, a certain amount of degrees off uh, because of magnetic north affecting your compass. And it's, it does that because there's a, enough iron ore in the Earth's core that it throws off your compass and it throws off the magnetic uh, system of your compass. And so for what it's worth, uh, living in Colorado, we are about 10 degrees off true north. And so if you were to get out your compass and try to go to what is actually referred to as true north by using a compass, you're going to be about 10 degrees off. Now, that may not sound like a whole lot, and you may be wondering why I'm even talking about this, but think of it this way. Here's a great way to illustrate how much that can throw you off. If you were just one degree off and you were headed to the moon, just one degree if you were one degree off and you decided you were going to go to the moon, by the time you got to where you thought the moon would be, you would be 4,169 miles off. One degree. Maybe that's how we've moved away from not just acknowledging Jesus as our Savior, but submitting to Him as our Lord. Just one degree at a time. It happens, doesn't it? I preached a message a long time ago talking about how drift happens. We drift. And we just get one degree off, and maybe we even convince ourselves where it's like, hey, it's just one degree. I know this is not exactly what it would look like to submit to the Lordship of Jesus in my life, but it's just one degree. But what we don't see and what we don't know is with time, that one degree will lead you thousands of miles away from where God is actually wanting to lead you. Maybe COVID got you one degree off. Maybe that disappointing relationship got you one degree off. Maybe it was the pain of an addiction got you one degree off, or the divorce, or that one church experience, or that job loss, or worse yet, the loss of a loved one. It just got you one degree off. Would anybody else like to admit today that you've gotten one degree off? I will that you've gotten one degree off, or maybe you've gotten 10 degrees off, but you know you're, you're not necessarily heading down the direction that God wants you to go. One of my favorite Proverbs says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. But our problem is, we do lean on our own understanding too much. We bid it all the time. Yeah, 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 I know that's what I should do, but I think... One degree. Yeah, I, I know that's what it would look like from, you know, if I'm really following through in the life that Jesus has called me to. I know that's what my relationship, my dating relationship would look like. But really, is that, does anybody do that anymore? One degree, two degree, maybe three degrees off. And with time, we potentially could find our place or find a place and arrive at a place in our life where it's like, how in the world did I get here? You know how? One degree at a time. One degree at a time. So how do we get back? Because for someone who can confess and admit to you today that I have been several degrees off in the direction that God wants me to go at times in my life and knew it and kept going that direction, didn't lead me anywhere that I'm proud of. How do we get back? I think it begins 
with fully submitting. Fully submitting to Jesus as the Lord of your life. Fully submitting that he is the Lord of your life. In Romans it says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And that's a great verse for salvation, right? Maybe that was spoken to you before when you were on the edge of making a decision to allow Jesus to become the leader and Lord of your life. And it's like, that's the salvation verse. It's one of the main salvation verses. But one of the things I think that we might miss by looking at that verse with just kind of like a one-time decision is I believe that submitting to the Lordship of Christ every single day will save you from a lot of heartache. It will save you from a lot of brokenness. And some of you are thinking, well, Aaron, I've already done it. I've already drifted. I've already had 10 degrees of separation. It's never too late to allow Jesus to be the leader and the Lord of your life. I love what Alan Hirsch said in his book, Forgotten Ways. He said, we need only look into our own lives. When we deliberately sin or when we refuse to allow his claim on our lives to seep into all the dimensions of our lives and respond in obedience, we effectively limit the lordship of Jesus in his claim of absolute rule. I don't know if you've ever picked up on it, but if you've ever seen somebody uh, baptized here at Trace, and you're going to get to see one today, we're excited about that. But if you've ever seen someone get baptized here at Trace, there's something that we have them say, and we have them repeat after us, I believe, I believe. That Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and I take him now as my Lord and my Savior. You see, proclaiming Jesus as Lord is to pledge loyalty to him and him alone. He will not share his throne with any other cultural identity shapers. All other allegiances and names are to be submitted to him as Lord. Guys, this includes what we watch, what we read, our families, the way we view politics, they cannot be held in tension together. Jesus demands that these identity shapers be submitted under him, and he wants lordship. He wants to encompass and supersede them all. And as we increasingly give Jesus lordship of our lives, we begin to see that he wants a lot more for us than just a one-time sinner's prayer or occasional church attendance. He wants us to be the same person in every sphere of our life. And in each of those spheres, he wants us to be a reflection of him. This is how he's called us to live. Not just on a Sunday, but everywhere, every moment and of every day. And somebody's thinking to themselves right now, I can't do that. I can't do that, Aaron. What about grace, man? I mean, haven't we been given grace because we know that we're going to mess up? And we have, and it's beautiful. The new covenant is a covenant of God's grace that you don't have to ever worry about if you've done enough. All of your screw-ups, if you will accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, all of your screw-ups will be filled. Those gaps will be filled. Every time you fall short of where God has called you to, that will be filled with his grace. But listen to me. Even though grace fills every single gap of our screw-ups, grace is not a green light to allow sin to deliberately drive your decisions. Can I say it again? Grace was never given to us to allow sin to deliberately drive our decisions. Faithfulness to the Lordship of Jesus means he gets to call the shots in your life. It means no matter what your preferences are, you don't get to bid it. 
when it comes to what Jesus has called you to be as a follower of his. Because why would you call him? I mean, why? Why would you call him Lord, Lord? And don't even do what he says. So here's my challenge to us this morning, church. Don't settle for Christian. Don't hide behind the title without assuming the responsibilities. Will you mess up? Have you messed up? Absolutely. But don't allow grace to become so disjointed that it's leading you further away from the life that God has called you to. In other words, don't allow grace to become the excuse for your deliberate sin. It's not what Christ has called us to. The Lordship of Jesus demands and deserves so much more. It deserves our lives. Let me pray for us. Father, I think sometimes we find things to hide behind. Whether it's a title, maybe we like the authority sometimes that comes with certain titles or positions, but we still don't follow through with the responsibilities. God, I know I've hidden behind the title of Christian before, but my life wasn't representing what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. God, I know there are people in here that, man, they know they've, they've drifted one degree, two degrees, maybe 20 degrees away from where you want them right now. And it's easy to hear a message like this and maybe be eaten up with shame or guilt. And Father, I don't believe that's how you work. I don't believe that's in your economy. I believe when we feel something internally, the enemy wants to communicate it as shame. But God, you just want to show us that you have a better way. That you have a better way. That you do have the ability to set our paths straight. If we'll stop looking so much to our own understanding. If we'll stop leaning and living so strongly in the direction of our preferences that we negate that you have a different calling and purpose for our life. And so, God, I don't know what that looks like for everyone in here, but since most of us are like the rest of us, and I know that I've at least drifted one degree off even recently, God, I believe that we can be called back to true north today. I believe we can be called back to fixing our eyes on Jesus as both Savior and the Lord of our life. Will you help us with that? We pray this in his name. Amen. I want to transition us into a time of response. And um, again, if you're new to Trace, one of the things you should probably know is um, I, I, don't want to, I don't want us to ever be guilty of coming in here and confessing with our mouth but denying him with our lives. And so there's a question that I'd like for you to wrestle with today. What area of your life, what area of your life that you could give Jesus increasing lordship over? Like, where's an area where you know you're one degree, five degree, ten degrees in the wrong direction? And maybe you, like I said earlier, you've given yourself the excuse where it's like, oh, it's just, you know, it's just, it's just one degree separation. It's not going to get me too far from where God wants me, but with time, again, it will. So as we respond today, can you wrestle with this question? You can leave it up there. Where could you give Jesus increasing lordship over your life? I want to lead us into a time that we call response and responding to what we've heard. And uh, one of the number one ways that we do that is by celebrating in something called communion. And man, if there were ever a time to remind yourself of the lordship of Jesus in your life, I believe it's around communion. I believe it's around the Lord's Supper where we take 
a cracker, a small wafer that represents the broken body of Jesus, and we take some juice that represents his blood, and we remember that this is not just a good idea, that Jesus really lived, he really died, and he really walked out of a tomb for you. And because he did that, he's, he's asking for us to follow in his ways. He's asking for us to be submissive and be obedient in the life that he's called us to, not because he wants to control us, because he's trying to lead us to a better path. I hope you see that and know that. So we're going to take a moment here in a minute. If you're a follower of Jesus, we would encourage you to go to one of the tables around the room. I think there's like six of them. And you can celebrate in that. If you're not a follower of Jesus, if you've never made that confession, if you'll believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. If you want to do that today, we'd love to give you that opportunity. I'll stand down front. Also, if you've uh, come ready to give today, there's some buckets on the table. Feel free to bring your offering. You can also give through our app. One of the best ways to stay connected to Trace is through our app. If you haven't downloaded that, I encourage you to download it. You can give online. Um, if you want to partner with us through generosity in that way, uh, we're incredibly grateful uh, for that. We really are. We couldn't do the ministry that we do around the city without you. I'm going to pray for us right now, and I want to lead you into uh, that time of response. What area of your life could you give Jesus increasing lordship? And then we're going to get to celebrate a baptism together, which I'm always excited about. Let me pray, and then I'll encourage you to respond. Father, sometimes we act like Jesus is just a good idea. I mean, because on paper, it sounds great. If we'll believe in this guy that lived 2,000 years ago, that he died for our sins, that we'll be saved from hell, and that we'll have eternity with you. I mean, on paper, it sounds really good. But God, I, I believe that every time we come back to communion, it should be one of the greatest reminders that it, it, this isn't just a good idea. This should be our life. That based on what Jesus did for us, it deserves and demands our full submission and obedience. And God, when we do mess up, which is daily. We just want to say thank you for your grace. We don't ever want to use it as an excuse, but God, we embrace your grace because we need it. Man, we need it every day. And so, Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would move in the hearts and minds of everyone in this room as we process and we think through where can we give you greater levels of lordship in our life. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.